On this episode of the Goofy History Podcast, our host gets very heated about something that happened a hundred years ago, and general goofiness ensues. And a message from our editor. Hey everyone, just gonna preface this by saying this episode's got some really weird stuff going on. For some reason, the ends of my sentences were getting cut off. I have an idea of what that's about, but we will get on that, and it will be fixed in the next episode. But thanks for sticking around, and to many more goofy times. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Goofy History Podcast. Today I'm joined by only one of my co-hosts, the other one is being a little stinker, because he ate a veggie burger, and um, now he's dead. Say hello, co-host. Hello? What's your opinion on this uh, veggie burger consumption? Uh, he, I think he's just trying to get out of joining us on a podcast. I think so too, I think he ate a veggie burger, just so he could be like, I'm sorry guys, I am not getting in the podcast today. We've called him like eight times, but that is beyond the point, so he's not here today. Um, our next episode, well, yeah, probably, mm, maybe the episode after next episode, will be a special guest episode, so stay tuned for that. That would be pretty sick. Um, hopefully next episode will have more than just two people. Hopefully it'll be more than just us. Um, but today, we are talking about the molasses flood. Are you familiar with the molasses flood, co-host? Only a little bit, not that much. Alright, that's fair. What do you know about it? Um, I know it was, uh, something that was very... It happened in Boston, right? Yeah. Okay, that's... It happened in Boston. It happened a year after World yeah, War I. Yeah, about that's a year. That's really much I know, much I know. Alright, well, we're gonna dig a little bit deeper into that today. So, it's January 15th, 1919, and the Roaring 20s are on their way, and World War One has been won! It's great. Uh, you live in, you're living in the north end of Boston. It's an unseasonably warm day, having increased from 2 degrees Fahrenheit to 41 degrees Fahrenheit. Big difference. That would be nice during some times. Yeah, definitely. Depending on what, what season were they going through? Winter. It was January. Oh, yeah. So, uh, that would be nice. And based on our weather, we would have loved a nice 42 degrees. Would have been sick. But basically, there's a big, big old, big old tank of molasses. Surprise, surprise. In the north end of Boston. It was owned by the U.S. Uni- I believe it was the United States Industrial Alcohol Company, but I'm just going to call them the USIA from here on out. But it, the tank was not built by USIA. It was built by Purity Distillers, who they bought out in 1970. So this tank had been here for several years already. This tank was so big that it could store 2.3 million gallons of molasses. Quite a bit. Basically, let me figure out what I'm- This tank was so large that, well, it was just large in general, not so large, because it was 50 feet tall and 90 feet in diameter, which for non-Americans out there is um, 15.2 and 27.4 meters respectively. So, big tank. Big, big, big tank. So, this tank could hold, as I mentioned before, 2.3 million gallons of molasses, which is about... Uh, three and a half Olympic swimming pools, and yeah. it was about 13,000 tons, or 12,000 tons, of molasses. Oh, that's a lot of molasses. You can make so many cookies out of that? Yeah. Uh, 
must have been there's baked treats. This the smell must have been crazy. Yeah, I bet it smelled like fire. I bet it smelled fire down. But that's beyond the point. Um, there's a, since there's a large temperature change, as I mentioned previously, the ne- the previous day, and it got much warmer. The molasses expanded in the tank because that's what liquids expand when they get warmer. And then a new shipment of molasses arrived in Boston Harbor that had been heated to lower its viscosity because you have to get it in the tank somehow. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do? You ha- kind of have to. Because if you don't get it in the tank, then it's just going to sit there. And then you're going to get Boston Harbor all clogged up with syrup boats. Just so. you They do have to get into some sort of containment. And now, this tank was big, so a lot. So they're pouring this stuff in, and they're thinking, well, um, this definitely isn't going to be a problem at all. Not a problem. So they're like, well, I think we'll be fine. So they put all the molasses in, and just not thinking about it. Everything's going great until about 1230, uh, which around lunchtime, a quote, thunderclap like a bang shook the north end of Boston, followed by the sound of a machine gun. Do you want to guess what that machine gun sound was? It could be the container uh, opening or maybe them being sieged by people. Being sieged down like medieval warfare? Yep. Ah, uh, yes. That's the molasses right. siege. Well, um, I'm going to give you like a quarter of a point. Because the thunderclap like bang was the tank collapsing in on itself. And, or rather, exploding, not imploding. It shot molasses everywhere. And the machine guns was the... You know how planes have rivets that, like, hold the current pieces of metal together? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, you could see them. They look like screws, kind of, but, like, wider. The yeah. machine gun sound was the rivets popping off of the tank and flying out flying out of it. So that's fine. Um, this was not a terrorist attack. Uh, the tank's rivets were flying from the walls of the tank, and the tank collapsed. Uh, not good. Just to say the least, not good. Not good. Uh, so for some reason they just hated that. They just hated it. Did maybe those did those uh what did you call them? Rivets hit anybody? Uh not as far as I know. They may have. I'm not sure. I'm yeah. Um it appears that so um this molasses, do you wanna how how tall do you think this is? Um so give a how many gallons did you say? Two point three million. It had to be at least about at least ten Ten feet. Uh, you're quite a bit off. It's 25 feet, or 8 meters. Oh, I was extremely off. So, two and a half story building, but instead of a building, it's molasses. Hurtling down crusty early 1900 suburbs, or not even suburbs, this is urban. Um, this wave was also traveling at 35 miles an hour, 56 kilometers an hour. Very fast. It's like, um, imagine, uh, you're on the road and your horse and buggy, because, you know, cars were not a thing yet. And you hear, and then just a hurtling wave of molasses buries you and your family alive. Uh, it's like a mom in a minivan with her seven kids, her seven disgusting, terrible kids in the back of the van. And they're hurtling at you, but instead of being a van, it is a 25 foot tall wave of molasses. You Pretty viewers horrifying. can't see this, but I did send a picture of rivets in the chat. Yeah, they kind of the look rivets like... Kind of look like that. They kind of look like weird syringes, but like it's like a syringe mixed with a bolt. Yes. And obviously, I think the ones you're talking about 
they're more like at the end of them they're more kind of like pointy like uh more no not pointy i think they're more like expanded out or something yeah maybe i have no idea i'm not a i'm not a rivetologist i don't know Uh, you know what I am? I am a goofyologist, which is why I'm going to continue. Um, the wave was considered was considered to be much more destructive than a wave of water because of my pal density. Um, water is one gram per cubic centimeter. I hope I didn't get that wrong. I don't think I did. I think that's right. It just so happens that um, uh, it just so happens that molasses is. 40% more dense, so 1.4 grams per cubic centimeter, which is quite heavy. But yeah, not good. Uh, very bad. Not fun. Um, let's see. Uh, any questions so far? Any silly little quips? How long did it take for some people to realize that it was the tank that decided to explode? Explode and dump all the molasses out. I'm gonna assume it was pretty easy to tell when the entire tank just disappeared and then your house was destroyed, so probably pretty right. easy. Oh, yeah. Um, several city blocks were flooded with up to three feet of molasses. So, yeah, that's... that's So, like, for the average American man, which is 5'10", that's, like, was up there... to... That's, like, up to their hips in molasses. Maybe was there any indication of it might be exploding? I'll get to that. Um, 21 people died and over 150 were injured. Now, what it does not include in the amount of people who died, it was the amount of horses that died. Now, um, I tell this fact a lot, but, uh, co-host, uh, did I, t- did I ever tell you that, um, if a horse breaks its leg, you have to put it down? Yes, you did previously tell me about that. At least I think you have to put down a horse that breaks a leg. So was the... Was there a bunch of horses that might have been covered in the molasses and their legs? Well, yeah, the wave was so big that it broke a lot of horses' legs, and horses broke their legs trying to get out of the molasses, too. Because the street is still cold. It's still 40 degrees. But um, a news report from the Times said, quote, take a deep breath in, molasses, waist deep, covered the streets and swirled and bubbled about the wreckage. Here and there struggled a form, whether it was animal or a human being was impossible to tell. Only an upheaval, a thrashing about in the sticky mass, showed where any life was. Horses died like so many flies on flypaper. The more they struggled, the deeper into the mess they were ensnared. Human beings, men and women, suffered likewise. So, that's fun. I mean, that would be a pretty silly I mean, way to go out. Yeah, that's why we, why we did bring up this topic, because that would be a pretty... A pretty goofy way. Yeah, it's almost like it was. It was almost like it's a little bit goofy. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Like, uh, almost like it's meant to be on the Goofy History Podcast. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but in other news, a truck was tossed into Boston Harbor by the wave. I don't know why that was important, but everything I read that said that this is just a really cool truck. I can't imagine what it. 1990 truck looks like though you did say that they weren't really big on cars during that time so maybe they noted that down because you know they maybe didn't have much cars or maybe losing a car might have been big to them that's fair i i get i get where you're coming yeah i wonder if i don't know who knows but other than that um so 
luckily, Boston got a large naval presence. Because, you know, it's on the coast and whatnot. And on a similar latitude to Europe. I don't know why that's important, but I feel like it is. Um, 116 naval cadets were the first to arrive there. Because their training ship was docked in Boston Harbor. So, very smart. Very, not smart. Well planned. We're not planned. Good timing. So, what do you think that they did to get all this molasses, all these molasses off of you, off of the ground? Um, to be honest, I have no clue. Well, they did. Was Well, I mean, they're thinking, well, hang on. Water. Hose. Ian, I know. So, they pumped salt water, or just got salt water, and sprayed down the streets of Boston and washed it all into the harbor. And then they put sand on the streets to absorb leftover molasses, which, since when has sand been able to absorb molasses? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Molasses doesn't strike me as something that's particularly absorbable. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like water where it wants to soak into stuff. Molasses likes to stay where it is. Um, well, I searched it up when they did figure out that sand absorbs molasses, and apparently all it says is, the day that it happened, that they figured out. Oh, they had, a, they had a Jimmy Neutron oblate brain. Which blast. I don't think. I think uh, what Google basically did was just try to put the closest thing about molasses and sand. Probably. Because not. you d from the, some of these articles probably do talk about them using sand. So. Probably. But that will be a a question that will remain unanswered. Um, they washed all of the stinky little the sticky into the harbor. But, uh-oh, downside, 2.3 million gallon, gallons of molasses. It doesn't go away. It's just got to stay there. So the waters of Boston Harbor were brown and sweet smelling for the next six months. Fantastic. Did, I would imagine some people probably got sick of the smell of molasses after, like, maybe a week. Not I even, imagine that smell of molasses just being everywhere has to ruin your quality of life. Yeah. Um, so, when they use the sand on the water and everything, they're like, why did this happen? Oh yeah, that was a sick little jingle. Um, <laughs> okay, um, I'm getting sidetracked. So basically, what we, what they did, is they're like, well, why did this happen? Why did it just collapse? Why would you do this? And, after a little bit of research, I discovered that they knew exactly why this happened. They were just too lazy. So, how thick do you think the steel of the tank was? Like, because if you've got a big, like a 50-foot-tall metal tank, you got to have pretty thick steel, right? How yeah. thick do you think it is? You know, thinking you're going to be carrying all these gallons of molasses, you have to have a pretty pretty good thickness of... How? About how thick? The tank. Uh, definitely probably, I don't know, probably over, like, an inch and a half. Yeah, I would say an inch and a half, two inches would be reasonable. Like, maybe four yeah. or five centimeters. Uh, you are incorrect. The widest was 0 0.61 inches at the base of the tank, all the way up to 0.3 inches at the top. So basically, 1 to 2 centimeters of steel, holding back 12,000 tons of molasses. How much of an idiot do you have to be to go, um, I'm gonna cut costs and make this tank the worst tank ever built. It makes me angry how stupid and cretinous would you have to be to do that. And if I ran, it would have been better if they built maybe a few tanks filled tanks. with it, a few smaller tanks with less gallons, but more tanks. It might have worked out, but I don't think the size of the tank was the problem. I think the tank just sucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Yeah. I was only yeah. saying smaller so that they put less liquid into Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um yeah. what was I saying. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically they looked dug into this and they were first they found out that the outer steel wall was way too thin. Second, they found out that the rivets that we were talking about earlier were defective and that um stress fractures happened around them. Not fractures, cracks. I think they're called fatigue cracks. I'm not I think that's what they're called. I don't know. But basically they're stress fractures but for metal. And they start to shear. And this got so bad that molasses would frequently drip out of where the rivets were, and local children would collect it in cups and bring it home to their mothers, and they would make delicious treats out of it, which is which is the kind of rabble rousers we need today, if you ask me. Yes. Just some good old 1900s tomfoolery, stealing molasses from the distillers, as you do. Um, you want to know how they? You want to know what they did to fix this? What? Well, the rivets, the rivets are leaking, and people are stealing the molasses. So let's just paint the entire tank brown, so they don't know where it's leaking from. I am not joking. That is what they did. It's pathetic. Why would you do something like that? So, what you're saying is they couldn't even build a thickness to protect it, and then they just painted over it to hide the fact that it was leaking. I guess they just were like, well, everyone's stealing our stuff. So, ah, 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 brown tank. Uh, but yes, very, very cool brown tank. And what, though, another factor is low temperatures. Now, um, metal likes to change when it gets, when the temperature changes, this is already steam temperature change, and then, dig a little more digging, and they discovered that the steel lacked manganese. Now, manganese is used in steel, which, um, I discovered this for the first time, which I'm not really surprised by, I just don't know much about manganese, but it is used to make, um, steel more temperature resistant, so it can become less brittle in colder temperatures. Which was the exact problem that they had because they did not have manganese in it, so the metal was also pretty brittle, or steel at least. So basically, this is a perfect storm that led into a massive disaster that immediately flooded several city blocks of Boston, killed 21, and injured over 150. And what did they learn? They learned nothing! If you go back into the aftermath of this, so naturally, class action lawsuit, you know, as you have. When you when a corporation does something like this, which was mm -hmm. actually pretty unheard of in times like that, but I I hate corporations, I hate all big business. Um, I want to go run into way into the um, but yeah, other than that, um, perfect storm of events, but class action lawsuit, and eventually they did concede. But you want to know what their defense was for why the tank exploded? It couldn't. They couldn't even make they couldn't even make themselves look even more stupid, right? Oh, they could. You want to know what they said? You want to know what these bozos said? What guys? It wasn't the defective tank. It was anarchists. Oh my god. That's what I'm saying. There's no way these people blamed anarchists on their crappy tank. This is stupid. And whoever just made this is stupid. And I hope they hear this from the grave because I'm going to just have a because bone they couldn't. Just because they couldn't cut, they couldn't add a few more dollars into building a stronger tank, they blamed it all on anarchists. God, I hate when anarchists blow up my molasses tanks. And what kind of excuses? You said the day of this, or like the day before, they added more molasses? Yeah, the they tank? added more warm molasses, so it expanded even more. So, like a little side note, you said it's after the war. Why are they still collecting molasses? 
if well, they're this, I just think they're getting sell You want to know what happened the day after this? What? Well, that I was it the day. Let me see. Hang on, I wrote it in my notes somewhere. Uh, da, da, da. yep. The Eighteenth Amendment was ratified the next day. Which, for anyone who knows American history, that was prohibition. And what can you use to method? Well, what can you use to? What do you? God, <sighs> collect myself. <laughs> and what do you use molasses for? Making ethanol, aka drinking alcohol. So some people theorized that uh, this was just a stockpile for for for. for for prohibition. That's a mouthful. A lot of a lot of suspicious things going on. Um okay, back to the class action lawsuit. So after the class action lawsuit, it was hundred and nineteen resident uh residents brought a class action lawsuit against the United States Industrial Alcohol Company, who had bought purity distilling, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Um the company claimed that the tank had been blown up by anarchists because some of the alcohol produced was going to be made use it was going to be used in munitions. So, things like explosives and stuff like that. Which, why would an anarchist be against that? I'm not sure what the deal with that is. Because munitions is like military equipment, but I guess. Yeah, you would think back in that time, you're, you want to make your area or wherever you live in to be, like, stronger, right? Yeah. Not to lose anything and not be under control of another country that might not treat yeah. you as well. That's what I'm saying. That The anarchist excuse is just dumb. So, um, after three years of hearings, they decided to concede, and they paid, um, $628,000 U.S. dollars in damages, which adjusted for inflation in 2021, of course, a little more now, $9.82 million, which is actually less than I thought, and relatives of those killed, um, supposedly got about $7,000 per victim, which is $109,000, so... That's pretty crazy. That's a lot less than I thought, yeah. honestly. But then they cleaned everything up and everything was great. But um, they had, because rescue workers and whatnot had gotten molasses all over them, it got everywhere. It got into um, subway platforms, trains, streetcars, telephone handles, houses, other cities. And it was reported that, quote, everything a Bostonian touched was sticky. That is disgusting. Read that um, something about the smell of the molasses lingered for decades. Yeah, that's a supposed thing, though. We don't know if that's true or not, because it's from a journalist from Edwards Park. But who knows? That would be pretty crazy. If that was true, I would probably move to a yeah. different area entirely, because I would not want to smell molasses. I would not be able to tolerate it for much longer. And now you may be saying, well, what happened after that? What happened after that? Fantastic. I'm glad you asked. It is now the site of a um, recreational complex called Langone Park. I probably butchered that. Um, there's a little league field. There's a playground and what, whatever the hell Baki is. Boki? Bucko. Not Bucko. Um, but whatever that is, it's got courts for it. So pretty fantastic, really. So... I believe that I have finished. Now, four questions. Um, if something happened in... Would you think something like this would happen in this day and age? I mean, with all the regulations we have now, probably not. Um, was there... So, when it was leaking, I didn't, th I didn't think I heard you mention about... Did anybody take any of the leaking molasses? Oh, yeah, they took lots. Um, I believe I mentioned it. 
They took, um, quite a bit. They took, um, they just, they brought it home to their mothers and they made some delicious treats. That would be, I mean, maybe not me collecting the molasses, but, you know, if, like, a sibling of mine collected the molasses and then I got to have delicious treats, I'd be happy. All for free? Yeah, so delicious. But I think that the lesson here today is don't skimp on making good big molasses tanks bad good big molasses. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's, that's I think that's really what we do today. So people who are at home listening, don't make big molasses tanks. But if someone does, steal all of the molasses you can. And thank you for listening to today's episode. This one went pretty well, wouldn't you say, co-host? You know, having two people, maybe it's not the best, but, you know, so then more people could bounce off ideas, but it did seem very successful for today. I think so as well. So, everyone, thanks for listening, and and we'll see you either the 24th or the 31st, depending on when this episode's out. Hopefully, our next episode, our third episode, we will have more people here to, you know, help us bounce off ideas and explain mm-hmm. more to that. If not, um, if we don't have a our regular other co-host back, then maybe we'll have a special guest. Who knows? The world is a mysterious place, and so is the Dream Podcast. And thank you for watching. Have a good one. We will-